All right, we're just going to get straight on into it. Let's get a big, warm welcome for Hannah and Calvin from Counterspin Media. Wow. Bluff. Invercargill. I can't believe we made it. <laughs> Give yourselves a massive round of applause. They certainly tried their best to stop it, that's for sure. Yeah. Didn't so, realise the troll army was so strong in the South. <laughs> so, uh, of course, a massive thank you um, to Russell, who I know uh, went overseas uh, yesterday, Yeah, but he was very excited that we might be coming. Um, and so thanks to Russell and the Eagle Hotel and Delia as well for managing to make this happen at such quick, yep. short notice. Legends. <laughs> So um, we are going to keep it quite short and sweet at the beginning and then Calvin and I will come up at the end, but we've got a great uh, list of speakers. Uh, Rob Wilson is running a little bit late, uh, so he will be joining us. Um, but yeah, hopefully you'll all stay and you, those of you who are standing, won't, your legs won't get too tired. I will have our rant and lay the smack down at the end of it. <laughs> All right, so uh, one man that has been beavering away furiously behind the scenes to help make this happen, and uh, I'm sure he's no stranger to any of you. I first met him when we were covering things down in Picton, but uh, please put your hands together for the B-Man. Right, I've got 10 minutes to bore you. So, um, right, right, speak right up here, So just so you all know I've got coronavirus. So... <laughs> You know, so you'll have to go home and isolate now. So, um, <laughs> first of all, I just want to let you know the absolute bullshit it was to get you people here tonight. So I was going to do the Kennington Hall, but after the, the trolling and stuff, I'm already on the outer there with the committee. I think they're going to try and get rid of me of this AGM for hiring it out to the men's group and countersmen, uh, to common law people. So I booked the Wallace Town Hall in my name for these people after the Workingmen's Club canned them. So people can come up and talk to me later on and I'll tell you how they did it, because I'm not going to waste my time telling you, but it was quick. So Hannah put a thing up on the live feed and in less than an hour, every single committee member from the Wallace Town board had been hammered by people. And there's only one way all that information can come out and I'll tell you about it later on. No, no, it's all right. They're just doing their job. The, the, the police and that are doing their job. They've got all the pee under control. Everything else is done, you know. So, yes. Yeah, they've got nothing else to do. So I'll, come and talk to me later on. I'll tell you how they did it, which is my theory. Um, so we, we got this here on very short notice from this afternoon. So um, when Hannah and them come to the market, we had quite a few options, but they just... It was just absolute rubbish. But the fact that you all showed up, I, I just wonder how many of you have come because you've seen the churches and that getting canned, you know? Um, and I, I was interested more, I want to hear what they've got to say now, um, because this has really tweaked my interest. Because at the moment, the men's group, when we first heard about it, we were sitting on the sidelines and we weren't going to get too involved. But then the, the further on it got down, with the more bullshit they got dealt with, the more interest we had in seeing what was going on. So I'll just tell you a little bit. So um, when the first convoy left from here and they went to Picton, another girl, me and Benny, um, I just was I started the pro-choice market at Complete Wellness in Windsor, just because I couldn't go to a market without a passport, you know. So 
I'll talk to, I'll talk back to people want to come and talk about it later on. So we did a road trip up and we got to Picton and we were a little bit disappointed. So we changed our venue. We put all the stuff we had on um, main freight and we took the ferry across to um, Wellington um, with some rat tests and that and that's the best thing we ever did to actually see another side of what was really going on, the fact that mainstream media are bullshitting you. You know, I don't know how many years have been to Wellington, but for all of those that yeah, never went, everything you've seen on TV was absolute shit stage crap. Yeah. Um, anyone wants to talk about what happened at Wellington, what I've seen, more than happy to talk to you later on. But So we did that, um, and we were going back um, the week after they, they closed it all down because um, they had a long plan to go there. Unfortunately, it didn't. Um, but so, well worth going up there. I've seen another side of of everything that was going on, but one of the happiest, most peaceful places I've been. There was no smoking, no drinking, no vaping inside Parliament grounds. Clean. clean. Unbelievable. The cleanest port I've ever seen with that many people using them, you know. But even the food preparation, everything, unbelievable. But even when, when they first arrived there and all the wind that was coming up, the tradies come out of nowhere and they ram-set everything down to the ground for them. When they turned the sprinklers on, they come out with road cones and that. The fire brigade turned them, told them how to turn the, turn the water around, put it into the Parliament Beehive, into their grounds and that, you know. There was just a whole lot of people working together. It was bloody awesome. So I'm glad I went and I'm pissed off I never got to go back a second time. But when I come back, all I've done is talk about it. Um, got more involved in the things. So, um, I don't know if you was noticed that we started a little men's group down here, which is down the road. We went one night and had a beer and a barbecue. And all of a sudden, we got trashed on, on social media by mainstream media. Women hating bloody mahogany men and that. Yeah. And we were true. It's all true. It's all true. We had nothing better to do. So, um, so the first meeting we had was at the Kennington Hall, and I just happened to book that out in my name, and then I had the CIB and a senior police sergeant come and visit me the Wednesday before. And no, it's all right, they were just doing their job. Um, so I actually thought they'd come to see me because a few of us went for a swim at Splash Palace and no masks and we didn't have to pay in the end, but long story short, that was a good, good, good fun. I actually thought they'd come to see me about that, so I said, oh, have you come to see me about the swim at Splash Palace? And they both took a step back. No. no. So, um, it turned out they, they said, um, have you got a social media account? And I said, I've got three, and two are constantly in jail, so you already know that. And so they said, oh, is there something happening on Friday night? So I never lied to them. I said, yep, there's a group of guys having a meeting at the Kennington Hall at 7.30, and they said, right, what's it all about? And I said, it was just a group of guys and they're just having a beer and a barbecue. And they said, what are they going to talk about? They said, they're going to talk about shit. <laughs> so they, they said, what sort of shit? Um, so I said, well, we're going to talk about the mandates, the vaccine, the passports, and what used in Wellington. <laughs> so that didn't go down too well. <laughs> but anyway, um, the senior sergeant said, well, do you mind if I come along on the Friday night? I said, knock yourself out. You're more than welcome, but don't wear your uniform. I believe there was an undercover cop there and he has showed up at another couple of things. I don't care, we had nothing to hide. Um, and the, the biggest thing they've been trying to pin on is to find an organiser. Yeah. And I, I don't know what it is, so I thought after all the bullshit that Counterspin have had to go here, I'm actually now going to go public and say I was the organiser 
of the Kennington event. And I have organised a few other things, so more than welcome, come after me, because I'm really, really interested to see how far you'll go now. Because all it is, is a whole group of guys exercising their democratic right to have a beer and a barbecue and talk about shit. And if we can't do that now, then they might as well stick me in jail and I'll be the martyr. You know, because this is what it's come down to. Unless we're going to stand up... <laughs> so, in, unless we're going to stand up now and be out there, we're stuffed. There's no other way to describe it. You know, so, um, what else did I have to talk about? How, how much long have we got left? Oh, I've still got five minutes. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, um... So I'll just, a, a little bit of how counterspin the thing. So when I hired the, the Wallace Town Hall, and so Hannah put a thing out, since it, I had the post, I hadn't even shared the poster out, and within less than an hour, every single committee member pretty much on the Wallace Town community thing would be contacted. <clears throat> I'm not going to tell you on the microphone how they did it, because if I'm slightly wrong, they can get me for liable, but I don't think I am. So to go and find out all committee members' details, because I'm on a few committees, yeah, so we have to give all our details, inland revenue number, the whole lot, all that information's there, but it's not available. Any one of you can go on the site and look at it, any one of you, but you have to leave a digital footprint to say that you've been in there, all your ID. Well, I got someone to check, and there's no footprint for the people that went and researched all the ones from the Wallace Town community thing, so... And so that was hammered in, in next to no time. And the Elam Church, like, don't take it out in the pastor here in, in Invercargill. Um, go and have a talk to him, see if he can find out what it did. Um, you know, I've even read the ODT article, and I only did that tonight on the hatchet job they did on the thing. And then when you read that, and the fact that they never even showed up to one of these counterspin things, tweaked my interest even more about what these people are doing and what the hell's the problem, you know? So, I, I don't know, I, I, I could sort of rabbit on with a few other things here, but I'm just getting really peed off with the whole attitude of this, but um, thanks for all coming out. And just, yeah, just come up, see me later and ask some questions. We've got a whole lot of chips out. We're only going to cook a lot of chips and just give them out to people, but um, the groundswell things coming up, get to those meetings there and support that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um, apart from that, that's all I really got to say, and I'm so pleased to see you're all here. Yeah. And um, just further to what he was saying about uh, the cancellation of venues, because the first venue that um, I booked here was the Workingmen's Club. And, but... Apparently they didn't come under pressure. This is just to clarify everything. Apparently I didn't get the booking right. So I rang back. I'd, I'd done that earlier in the week. And then I rang back on the Friday after they'd cancelled the actual trolls had put pressure on venues in Dunedin. So I thought I'd better ring up and make sure they haven't put pressure on the Workingmen's Club. So I rang up and said, oh, I've got the booking on Sunday. And she said, oh, no, there's no booking. And so... Then I was like, oh, have you, been put, have you had pressure put on you? And she said, no, no, there, just, there was just never a booking. So her and I went back and forth about... So it's a he, she, uh, he said, she said type of situation because I thought we had a booking and I was under that understanding. So that particular venue wasn't 
cancelled by the trolls, just so that's clear. The second venue we got was in Wallace Town, as B-Man said, and they did get the pressure put on them. And then the third one we got was um, the Elam Church, and like he said, the pastor there was amazing because we're always trying to be up front. We're trying to say, look, we're counterspin. We have been put under pressure. This is what people are saying about us. They're calling us white supremacists, um, whatever, all the other slanderous terms they're using. So just so you know, when we put the address out, you're going to get a whole lot of phone calls and emails trying to discredit us. And to his credit, he said, no, that's all good. We're getting persecuted as Christians too. So that church was going to stand by us, but it was not until last night, at I think 10.30 at night, he got on the phone to me to tell me that the higher-ups, the Elam Church National Board, had been on the phone to him telling him he's not allowed to have that because they didn't want to be associated purely by the fact that they were renting us their premises. So... Yeah, so, um, and previous to that in Dunedin, of course, the church had pulled out there um, after the community hall pulled out. And then the third one we got was the Henley Community Centre, and they were also getting pressure put on them, but at least their boardman had the decency to come down and talk to us, and when he realised we're actually just normal people wanting to have a chat with the community and listen to what the community has to say, he actually realised that what he was hearing online was lies. So it's been a really full on last couple of days. So it's just really good to be here. Um, and so to elaborate a bit more, have we got Dana? Is Dana close by? Um, yes, so we always knew that this was potentially going to happen. Um, they did try in Porirua. Uh There's a church there that I'm not exactly sure who put the pressure on, but they did cancel. But then the pastor's wife, I think that's the story, had a chat and they worked it out that it was going to be fine. And so they did let us actually stay there. Um, was there any other ones? I think there was a bit of pressure. Oh, and Tauranga. That's right. It was a council-based uh, venue and they had the trolls ringing up and had a lot of pressure put on them as well, but they stood strong. And so that was... I think that was a Saturday night event and the manager there was really great. He said, I've got the press release ready for them on Monday, um, you know, and he wasn't going to buckle to that. So, yeah, they've been trying all down the country um, and we were always prepared for that. But um, I guess somehow in Southland the, the trolls are stronger or I don't know what's going on. But um, Yeah. <laughs> Really? Wow, I did not know that. Okay, so yeah, it's getting a bit serious. So, so here. Um, oh, just. I'm how many people have come? How many people have come to each event? Um, I don't know how many people are here tonight, but we've pretty much had on average like a hundred at, at minimum most events, and we've had over three hundred at Cust. So there's been thousands of people coming to these events, and. Um, We've had quite, sometimes we've had small venues like this because we have to go to a cafe or, a, or someone's home or um, because the public venues, they just get too much pressure put on them and they, they just cancel or they won't take our booking. So, um, you know what, um, re watch was the same thing. Do you want to talk about what they were saying about the bus as well? Like our vehicles? 
Oh, they, yeah, so they were putting online that the bus was unattended at um, at Henley. I mean, the bus driver could see it, he had it in his view, but it was like they were saying it in a way so that other people online knew that they could go and sabotage it. Yeah. But we're the violent extremists. Yeah. Yeah. So um, Dana Lee's going to talk to us. She's actually... Um, helped us with the tour. She's our tour manager. She's doing an amazing job. She's a mother of three. She's got passion for truth. Um, and she's been involved with ending the lockdowns uh, since mid-2020. She's dedicated to bringing true freedom for all of us. Uh, and she sees through the lies of cultural Marxism and the conditioning of victim mentalities. And she's the most courageous woman that I know. So put your hands together for Dana Lee. All right, well, I'm actually going to keep this brief, but uh, I just thought I would come up here and address something that we are have been encountering quite a bit of late, and it's the whole white supremacist thing, okay? So my team have been labelled as white supremacists, and apparently if um, you're Māori and you happen to agree with um, Pākehā, you're a white supremacist too, or you're a tool that's being utilised by the white supremacists. You can't have an opinion, you can't agree with someone if they're the opposite colour. Um, what's the definition of white supremacist? It's the, uh, when white people uh, consider themselves to be serious, superior to all other cultures or races. So. We've got a tour going around this country. All we're doing is encouraging you to have your say, to speak your mind, you know, get it out there because mainstream media won't freaking do it. They, but we're the white supremacists and we want to squash you and we want to bring this country down, apparently. You know, um, I thought I'd get up here and speak my mind and talk about it because it is such a stark contrast to what it is we truly stand for. How the frick is it that we go around the country and we just want you to have your say, get the truth out there, provide the other side of the story that isn't being shared because our country's under attack, backed and somehow we're the, what, what are they saying? We're the, we're fascists, we're, so everything. Hmm? Yeah, the disinformation agents, all that. The irony of that is they're literally projecting the very thing they stand for onto us. Now the reason I thought I'd come out and have a say is because I found out that uh, one of the people behind this, or I think she was the main organizer of the shutdown of our venues was Māori. And I thought, this motherfucker. <laughs> because, you know, the whole thing within Māori Dim is, you know, colonialism. We talk about this and what white people have done and all that. And yet, we've got Māori in this country who are attempting to shut down the very thing they say they're fighting for. They are idiots. You know, and... I actually asked, actually maybe you want to come up here and help me with this, because I did ask Hannah to explain to me yesterday how this thinking comes about. How is it that within Māoridom, because I do believe that Māoridom has been weaponised against our country now, 
um, because it's being utilised against them. There is a narrative going around in the loop that would um, see our country fall. And I'm fucked if I'm going to um, just let that be. So I asked Hannah, please explain to me what on earth is going on in their heads at these, because this woman who's been trying to organise the shutdown of our venues, she says she's anti-capitalism, okay? But these people love it. They enjoy the fruits of it. The whole gender shite, the whole pronoun stuff, all of it. They wouldn't have it if it wasn't for the very thing that they say they're against. Yeah, yeah. So I asked Hannah to try and explain it to me. So I thought I'd ask Hannah to explain it on here, seeing as we're recording, for those of you who, I don't think it's any of you guys here, I think you guys are all intelligent beings, but there appears to be people out there that don't get it. They, for some reason, have a twisted, warped idea that they are, by pushing this whole socialist paradise thing and calling the very ones that are standing for them, trying to squash us, that um, they're somehow saving our country. So... And the only reason why I um, can talk about it is because I did a politics degree in my early 20s um, at Auckland University and a lot of what they are pushing at university is Marxism and socialism mm. and they are glorifying it and um, I think it was Gramsci that actually said that socialism was the, uh, the long march through the institutions. Mm. Now, when I was younger, I didn't understand what it means, you know, because they prey on the youth and the vitality of open hearts and wanting to help the world, so they do this whole fake virtue signaling thing. So I was a snowflake before snowflakes were a thing, <laughs> bit of ahead of my time. Um, I was woke before that word was even coined, but now I'm awake. So I can see what they've done because uh, my heritage is German. I'm a first generation Kiwi. And the conditioning that I experienced growing up is that I felt bad for being white and that I needed to take on Maori culture to make up for the sins of the colonialists. How twisted is that? My ancestors didn't come here. Which is insane, because it means that we're then holding those that are present responsible for the actions of someone an age ago. And that's not even logical. And so I'm sure none of us will uh, disagree that atrocities in the past have happened, right? And, and there's pain and suffering that happened. But at what point are we going to move on and realise that we're one country, we're one people. We all want the same thing for our children. We all want to live free and make an income and live an honest, happy life. Okay? So I grew up with white guilt. So I'm trying to explain this to Dana, how these people come up with this mentality, and it's the victim mentality, it's, it's the inbuilt um, systemic racism that the Marxists want to tell you exists, but they're actually now creating it. So I sided with victims uh, through the conditioning of the universities, so I thought my culture, I couldn't be proud of it, okay? 
And the wor uh, the, one of the one of the most um, most politically incorrect things you can say now as a European is to say that you're proud of your heritage. And I don't even I can't even say the words in front of you right now because it, the way that it gets taken. But does anybody? Pardon? Does anybody remember Stefan Molyneux and Lauren Southern when they came? And they got run out of this country? So it's that type of thing. That's happening all it's happening again now. And they've even put Calvin and I in a meme with those two. And I said, Well I'm glad you, yeah, I said, I'm glad you can see the similarities that cancel culture is still happening. Uh, because this is what's happening and they don't want Maori and white people to get along. And they don't want us to say, okay, let's put the past aside, let's acknowledge the bad things that happened, but let's acknowledge the amazing things that we've got. Like she's saying, you know, the, the fruits of um, capitalism and, and colonialism, it's not all bad. There's a lot of good things as well. So did that answer your question? Yeah. I mean, this girl is one of my best friends, all right? The, um, I support her because I know who she is. She comes from a place of integrity. The, I have the greatest love and respect for her, and that's what Councilman stands for. We move from a place of integrity for all. You know, j just because I say what I do with regards to Māori Dim, Māori Dim is just a group within the culture, okay? It is not slamming all Māori, it is just saying there is a portion of Māori dim that needs to wake the fuck up and um, or get out. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right, everybody give Dana Lee a big round of applause. So yeah, that's all. Um, yeah, that was touching on some of the things that you're not allowed to say in New Zealand. And um, so I don't know if Rob Wilson is here yet. Oh, he's here. Great. Okay. He probably needs no introduction to you all. But of course, Rob Wilson is from the New Nation Party. Um, and he will be speaking on where we're at as a country, where we're headed, and what is being done by some to stop the globalist takeover of our land. Put your hands together for Rob. Evening all, apologies for the late arrival. Um, we had a very tight schedule today and the trolls threw a big spanner in the works as you're all aware, so we've been trying to help out getting venues sorted, which has been um, a last minute event. Um, I just came here tonight, uh, I didn't have anything too structured to talk about and then I thought, right, I'm gonna have to first just cover where I think we're at in this nation before we talk about anything else. Um, and I think most of us would agree that we're in dire straits. Um, uh, even I sort of have to check myself sometimes and really reaffirm how bad things are in this country uh, if, if we correlate it to history and the steps that were taken to take us into totalitarian systems, uh, the, worst, the worst times in history, we're, we're well on our way to that. And so it's a very sobering thought uh, when we come to meetings like this and we are looking for some hope, we're looking for some way out of this. Um, often we're looking for leaders, uh, which I would counter by saying that really we're all leaders and we have to probably get out of the psychology of looking to people or for someone to save us. That's up to us each individually. 
there's no cavalry coming riding on a white horse. Um, we all have to stand up and do our part, uh, whatever that is. You don't have to be um, something that you might perceive to be uh, great, uh, but we all have our own special gifts and strengths, and if we just contribute what we can, then they can't stop us. So what's my role in fighting all this? Well, as you all know, or some of you will know, I've been involved in politics before over the years, the ACT Party, Advance New Zealand. Uh, I was involved in Agricultural Action Group, um, where Heather Mary Penny Cook, uh, Fred Roberts and myself attempted to try and wake this country up a bit, um, touring around the country, talking about the things that thankfully have become almost mainstream now, things like the United Nations agendas, the World Economic Forum, and the general uh, globalist takeover uh, of our country and, and the, uh, the planet. Um, like a pebble, that did have a ripple effect, and it's been really heartening to see what's come out of that uh, in many different areas around the country. And um, with people like Calvin and Hannah and Dana, um, Counterspin, all the other independent media groups that are almost too numerous to mention, or I should say too numerous for my memory. Um, yeah. Say again. Uh, I left ACT for a reason. Um, I dealt with David Seymour personally on gun laws um, because ACT at the time were the only party who was standing up for gun owners. Um, as I got to mingle with those further up in the party hierarchy, uh, including David, I came to realise that they were essentially a bankster-controlled globalist front. Uh, that's exactly what they are. Dave, David Seymour is a full... No. David Seymour is a full-blown globalist, and anyone who hasn't realised that by now with his stance on mandatory vaccines, passports, vax passports, etc., um, just go and have a look at uh, some of the things he's said uh, in recent times. Um, one of his great heroes was Mike Moore. If anyone's seen David Seymour's eulogy to him in Parliament, um, you'll understand probably better than anything he's ever said uh, that he is a full-blown tyrannical globalist who believes in world governance. Um, yeah, he is, yeah. I, I used to hang back a bit talking about him like that, but yeah, the days for having the gloves on are over, I think. Thank you. Um, so where are we now? Well, as I said just before, we're in dire straits. Um, the clock is ticking. And we have to have a strategy about how we're going to deal with the situation. Because if we're all running off in different directions without a unified goal um, and strategy, then we're wasting a lot of time and energy. And I'll just give you my overview of what I think we should be focusing on. And a lot of it's already happening. But because the way these people have got to where they are is because they have infiltrated every sector of our society and poisoned it. And it's taken them a long time, many, many, some would say thousands of years, certainly hundreds of years, and the more rapid culmination, uh, several decades here in New Zealand, particularly starting from the uh, Labour Longy government uh, in the mid-80s. Uh, 
where things really sped up. Um, now, if they have infiltrated all of our um, sectors of society, then we have to do the same. We have to go back into those organisations, root them out, expose them, and tidy things up. And there is a lot of um, resistance within the freedom movement to getting involved politically. Um, like myself, most people are very cynical about that. Uh, it is a corrupt, rotten, broken system. But so are many of the other sectors that we have to go into and, and root these people out. Education system, the universities, the healthcare system, everything. They're, they're in everything. And we've just seen how entrenched they are in just general business uh, here in the south because these venues being cancelled is no accident. Um, they're in, in everything. They're in our churches. And um, so my role or my calling, I have felt, has been to go back into politics, much as I don't want to. Um, I often say that I just want to get into Wellington, uh, clean out the system, put in a system that serves the people, puts the power back in the hands of the people, and then go home to my nice happy life. Because I had a nice happy life, um, I have a nice happy life, uh, and I don't really enjoy spending a lot of time away from my family, from the farm, and from my business. So, hence I've become involved with the New Nation Party. Now, how many people in this room have even heard of the New Nation Party? Okay, that's... That's uh, heartening. Um, some of you have. Now we've got some um, base policies uh, that should we be lucky enough to get into Parliament uh, that we are wanting to implement. And the, the first foundational one is we want to change the structure of our political system. Uh, how many people here are familiar with the Swiss system of governance? Okay, we've got a lot of work to do. So I'll just make it really brief and simple, but the Swiss operate under a system that is essentially citizens-initiated binding referenda. And so what that means is that the politicians can't do anything without the people initiating it. So if you want legislation, you can have a petition and initiate a referenda to vote on that. If you want to repeal legislation, you can do the same thing. The politicians cannot initiate anything themselves. You, the people, control the politicians. It's actually how democracy is supposed to be, but we've been tricked into accepting this, excuse the French, but shit version of it. Yes, they do, yes. They're very well set up to protect their true democracy. Yeah. Now, uh, another argument from many, and legitimately so within the freedom community, is that the Crown Corporation is still the Crown Corporation, and when you enter into it, you become part of it, and therefore bound by it. Um, to a degree, that is correct. But like any organisation, uh, over time throughout history, history shows us that these can be infiltrated, they can be deconstructed from the inside, and they can be turned into something different. And I, I see our, our uh, position as a bit like termites, just like they've been like termites in all of our institutions. Um, we weaken them from within, and um, we have a lot of strategy around that, that for obvious reasons we don't divulge in public as yet, but they do have Achilles heels, they do have weaknesses, and there are loopholes in the system uh, that have been hidden from us.
Um, so another couple of the foundational policies uh, after changing the political system and under current legislation we need at least four terms to do that completely. The way legislation sits at the moment it has to be done in steps. That's why even under this government they can't just straight away change the system. They, they have to do it over a four parliamentary terms for a total switch. Um, so it will take time and it will take an incredible amount of diligence and hard work and courage from people involved because we know what happens to anyone else who's tried to do this around the world. Um, the Crown Corporation doesn't take very kindly to having its work undone. So it's going to require, most importantly, the support of the people. And there's only one political party in New Zealand who is saying that they will do this. There is only one political party that I know the people involved in it. To the best of my ability, I would state that they are genuine and they're all coming from the same place that I am. Um, we want a future for this country and for the people in it, particularly our own families, uh, that we're proud to hand on to them. And uh, we don't want to be standing looking at ourselves in the mirror one day and going, I should have done more. I should have stood up when I knew we needed to stand up. The other thing that is a foundational policy is withdrawing us from the United Nations and the World Economic Forum. So as most of you in this room will be well aware, the United Nations is really the government that we didn't elect here in New Zealand. Uh, they're pulling the strings uh, through the World Economic um, Forum, um, Klaus Schwab and co. The financial side of things are being orchestrated and moved towards uh, a collapse, um, which if they are successful is imminent, uh, not very far away at all. And that is to bring us into the um, total subservience and reliance on the state to be able to survive, to be able to feed our families and pay our bills. The implementation of the universal basic income, which essentially means we'll all be on the dole. And um, the digitisation, not only of the monetary system, but of ourselves and our identities. So that will be no place to hide, no privacy, no autonomous control of your own finances, uh, life, healthcare access, anything. Your whole world will be controlled digitally through their centralised governance model. And you can guess what will happen if you don't play by their rules. David Rockefeller said many years ago in a speech, in, in numerous speeches actually, um, their goal was to have everyone with a chip in them, um, but a digitised society where if you didn't play by their rules they would just switch you off and you could no longer function. Um, and uh, they're frighteningly close to that and we can see it all around us happening. I was just in VTNZ the other day and went to pay with cash and found a sign that it appeared since I was there last time saying they no longer accept cash. Um, so yeah, it's moving fast, ever faster. These people know that a lot of us have woken up and uh, to be frank, again excuse my language, they're shitting themselves um, and we know that from certain other people we're dealing with internationally. Um, there is a real panic on. 
uh, we've just had a great decision with the World Health Organization um, being um, stalled, if you like, uh, with their latest agreement. Um, and that happened in the face of them changing. They normally have a two-year lead-in period for countries uh, to become signatories to any international agreements. They had shortened that to six months and were looking at shortening it again because they are so panicked about what's going on with the people waking up. So we're actually turning the tide. There's a lot of good stuff going on. Um, and yeah, there's something else I talked about in many of the AAG meetings about how all we need to win this is 15% of the population who are awake to what's going on, not woke, awake, and um, who are taking positive action to prevent it. And throughout history, around that percentage, at that level of participation, that has tipped the balance, and the, and the, whether it's been the good side or the bad side at the time, they have prevailed. Um, I personally think we're closer to 30% now, and if you look at the poll they did on the protest in Wellington, coincidentally that came out around 30% of Kiwis supported that protest. Um, anecdotally from myself travelling all around the country, doing public meetings, speaking to a lot of different people from all walks of life, we're way past 15%. Um, so be, be heartened, we're on the right road. Just, just tell me when I need to shut up, guys. Three more minutes, okay. So I'm just going to make a plea at the end of this. Um, much as we all hate politics and politicians, and I'm sure I'll cop my fear of flack in, in this journey, there already has been some, but I would just ask everyone to think very carefully that if you're going to vote in the next election, and I'll just quantify that by saying I'm not telling you to vote for anyone here, but when it comes to the next general election, people need to look at who is going to defend their freedom, truly. Not who's going to tell you that or have it on their name, like the ACT Party. Who's actually going to have foundational core policies that they will do everything in their power to implement and are also prepared to work with anyone in Parliament who will support that. We, we don't care. We're not here for a political career. If there's someone better who can do my job better in my position, I'll step aside. I'm not in it for the, the glory or anything. Um, we all need to have that laser light focus of we will do whatever it takes to win this war. And, and my other favourite word is relentless. Don't stop ever. These people are weak, they're cowards, they're pathetic. And when people like that come along, they, it terrifies them. It truly terrifies them. You look them in the eyes, they're, they're scared of us. So be empowered, believe we can do this, we're going to do this, but it's up to every single one of you in this room. Don't go home and just go, oh, well, that was a great little pep talk. I'm back to work and living my normal life. No, get involved, put your hand up. Do something about it, please. Thank you very much. Awesome. Thanks, Rob. And um, it's so true they are cowards because um, this woman, uh, what's her name? Oh, Sina. Yeah. Sina Davis-Brown 
this one that's in Dunedin that's done this big campaign against us, we invited her to come and speak at one of our gatherings. Do you think she took us up on that invite? <laughs> she didn't even have the decency to reply. Um, and same with, do you, do you guys all know who Byron C. Clark is? Have you heard of him? He's, he's, a, di he's a disinformation expert. And uh, meanwhile, he, he started out in his mother's basement and on Twitter, and then he's just been going hard at anybody that speaks the truth, putting disinformation out about them, and now he's become an expert all of a sudden, and he's a, apparently he's a journalist. But anyway, he's a poor, pathetic excuse of a human being. And um, when we were in Christchurch, we invited him to catch up for a coffee. Do you think he took us up on the invite? No, because they don't want to talk face to face. They talk a big game, and Jacinda Ardern had the audacity to call all of you keyboard warriors who were filthy and just living in your mother's basement and didn't wash. Well, I think she's talking about Byron C. Clark, actually. <laughs> so um, we do have a special guest that did want to sing a song. Is there a woman that wants to sing the song still? Is she still here? Yes, would you like to come up? Okay, you're welcome to come up now. Put your hands together for the lady in the blue hat. So, nobody here but nobody is going to be able to diss me after Rob Wilson's talk. <laughs> I've been vindicated. So, how does it go? Truth? Courage, freedom, it reminds me of faith, hope and love, the greatest of which is, so faith, I mean truth, courage and freedom, at any one time I'm sure you're like me, one of those you know, it has to be the flavour of your day or the flavour of your season, wherever you're at in life. So I'd just like to thank um, Counterspin people for coming to the South. It's a great encouragement. <laughs> I haven't sung yet. <laughs> My prepared talk. In the storybooks, we'd have a kind-hearted knight in shining armour overthrowing this government. And your difficult friend or family member would say, yes, that's what I wanted all along. Or there'd be a child innocently and simply stating that the emperor has no clothes and the whole crowd would go, Yes, we've all got this simultaneously. This is what we all knew all along. Storybooks is not quite a reality. For us as concerned Kiwis, whichever way out of this nightmare we search, we get presented with a dead end of sometimes overwhelming difficulties. I think there are enough of us who understand that this is a psychological warfare and I came tonight to share my wee action. It's a song which I hope you will join in. 
I think there is a lot of hope that we can grow our apparent minority voice until we have majority rules. That is, a new way forward democratically, neo-democracy. Coming to this point cost me dearly in terms of mental gymnastics. I wasn't ready for the splits and the high bar and the beam. That long ribbon I'd never encountered kept getting twisted, tying me in knots. And did the coach expect me to suddenly sprint, then perform that new vaulting trick? Or any of her mindful manoeuvres for that matter? The demands in that gymnasium of terror never end not to mention the bad athletic practices and the lack of safety nets and proper care for injuries. I cannot say her name, yet the Bible exhorts me to pray for her. Oh dear, I'm even given assurance that God himself put her in that position. I wonder whether my song might do all New Zealand a good deed. It's satire, if you wish. It can even be appreciative of our Prime Minister if you want to see it that way. We cannot get in trouble regarding copyright as the tune is old. If you will sing it with me, I can sing her name. It's a simple three-part round, powerful as a crowd. <laughs> Imagine what it would be like as a nation. As individuals, we each make our escape from nonsense. In this respect, we are all leaders. Perhaps my song could go wider to aid others in their quest to cease self-censoring. This song is my pitiful offer of leadership here tonight. God bless you if he exists. God did exist in her mind once upon a time. I'm sure you know that once believing makes for a later difficult journey, hopefully away from the tyranny of religion. To my mind, she is simply dragging us all along on her wannabe spiritual escape, which is a malicious thing to do to others. As for the Bible teaching, me to respect her no matter what, I also think that humiliation is the gift God wishes New Zealanders to offer her as a fellow Kiwi. I get that from the Bible too. Put another way, socio-politically, religion aside, it is a civic duty to humiliate her until all our politicians get the message None of them are our representatives. It could lift the morale of the majority to see our Prime Minister resign before the elections. They are not us. So this is the deal. It's got three parts. I'm going to sing the first part over and over in the hope that you will join in. When I hear that you're going strong, I will sing the second and third parts, okay? Since I've got the position of power here. <laughs> and then if you like it, well, we'll see what happens after that, okay?
Oh, happy days in Wellington, the sun is in the sky. Oh, happy days in Wellington, the sun is in the sky. Oh, happy days in Wellington, the sun is in the sky. Oh, happy days in Wellington, the sun is in the sky. Keep going by yourself. Jacinda, Jacinda, ha 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 ha. So nice, so kind, ha 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 ha. Oh, happy days in Wellington, the sun is in the sky. Jacinda, Jacinda, ha 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 ha. So nice, so kind, ha ha. Wellington, the sun is in the sky. Jacinda, Jacinda, ha 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 ha. So nice, so kind, ha 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 ha. We are each a leader. And I would have left here very, very disappointed tonight if I hadn't had a chance. Um, it might be appropriate for me to tell you briefly my experience in Wellington and what brought me to this point. Um, I'm not prepared for that and it's up to um, these good people here. Um, if you'd like to learn the song in three-part harmony so that you can take it away. Because my main point is I want all your children and your grandchildren to see the adults in this country saying, this leadership is not us. It's gotten to the point where polite is polite is polite is positive action. And I think we could do it. I think we could, well my idea at, when I was in Wellington was that we would have to humiliate Mallard first, um, but that didn't come down, that didn't pull that off. We must humiliate these politicians because they're not us, but on the other side of that coin, which I actually think is love, is to actually care about what's happening with these souls as well. So I see it as it's either them being humiliated or us being humiliated. And the way for them to be humiliated is for each of us, probably everyone to their own degree, behaving a little bit out of character. And that's what this is. I mean, who would imagine that that we would want to sing a silly song. But you know, if, if this went right through the country in the playgrounds, because it's such an easy song, it's just an old English um, tune. It doesn't have copyright on it. You can put any words to it you, you like. Very powerful as a crowd and very easy to learn. 
if that went into the playgrounds, because children pick up this kind of thing, you know, as a little ditty, if that went into the homes, into the workplaces, courage would snowball. And it's simply because we love. Cheers. Awesome. And that's what it's going to take, isn't it? Creativity. So everybody give the lady in the blue hat another big round of applause. And she's right, actually. Um, the Marxist socialists hate being humiliated. They hate us laughing at them. So at every single opportunity, make a meme, make a joke, just do what she's saying, just laugh at them and humiliate them because they've got no courage, they'll never come and talk to you face to face, they'll make up lies about you, but if you laugh in their face, and you know why? Because they're psychopaths. They're, actu they're actually um, medically psychopathic. They've got no empathy for us. She can stand there and say she's kind and nice as much as she wants, but she's not, she's lying. And uh, we know that for a fact. So um, back to the lineup. So we're going to go back to uh, the big picture stuff. So uh, many of you will probably know this woman as well. She's a wife, a mother, a freedom fighter. And today she's going to discuss the road to recovery, which is through local government. Please put your hands together for Jill Booth. This is a twofer tonight because. Um, oh, you have both at the same yeah, time? Yeah, yeah, we'll, okay. we'll. All right. Well, then I'll introduce our next speaker as well, uh, who all of you will probably know. She is also a rural mother, a wife, and a geek who's had an interest in all things farming, the United Nations, and local government. She's an ex mortgage underwriter who worked with some of, the, of India's largest private sector banks. She moved to New Zealand in 2009 with her husband. Please put your hands together for Jasprit Bopari. Thanks, Hannah. You forgot to add the white supremacist bit, but yeah, thank you. Glad to be here. <laughs> yep, uh, just a bit about myself. Uh, Jill and I, many of you would have seen us over the last year working together. She and I speak the same language, but uh, I, specifically me, I come from uh, India, the Sikh community. Just move a step forward. Okay. Any better? Yes. Yeah. So I hail from the Sikh community in India who are, uh, by, by birth, we are farmers, wheat farmers. And uh, I also come from a military background. So my father's a retired lieutenant colonel, and my brother is currently a serving colonel in the uh, in Indian Army. And uh, my interest in all things United Nations began in 93. My father's battalion, he was a 2IC, they were moved to Somalia. Uh, as a part of UNOSOM, United Nations operations in Somalia. And uh, I was 14 at that point, nearly 30 years ago. And uh, so when you have family in the war zone and you have, uh, my dad lost seven men in an ambush, and you suddenly start thinking there's more to it. You see your mother every night waiting for the last uh, BBC bulletin and hoping and ev everything is safe and you know there's been no uh, ambush today or anything growing up in that sort of atmosphere. By some coincidence, my brother followed my father's footsteps and he moved, uh, he joined the Indian Army. 
And then he was posted as a United Nations observer in Congo about 20 years after dad went there. So you can see where that geek and the interest in United Nations and specifically at one point it was Africa. But now that I've moved here, uh, it's been 13 years in New Zealand, it's generally United Nations everywhere. And I can't seem to read any bit of legislation in New Zealand without a reference to some or the other conference, convention, law, all of which was supposed to be non-binding. But somehow our entire judicial legislative system is being changed to make these non-binding uh, conventions by an unelected globalist coterie halfway across the world change our very ways of life here. So yeah, that's a bit about me. But uh, now that Rob covered more on the national government thing, Jill and I will focus on what's been our baby, local government, and where that comes uh, into the picture, specifically because we are four months away. 8th October is the date for the local body elections. And uh, believe it or not, 40 to 50% is supposed to be a good turnout in the local body elections. And I would like to emphasize the fact that regardless of whosoever is in the beehive, those 120 there cannot achieve anything without being actively aided and abetted by those who live, walk, and talk in our communities. And by saying that, I don't mean everyone is bad. There are some fabulous people in our councils who are doing amazing work. But equally so, there are people who are not working in our best interests. And if you see the mandates that happen, swimming pools, your children not being able to, in my case, having to sit outside the pool and watch my kids go for swim lessons, libraries, and so on, they were implemented by our local councils. Mm -hmm. So that is where my interest lies. I honestly, uh, if it comes to a toss-up, I can only vote in one election. Local body elections would be my, my thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well. I always knew that some way along my life I was going to get into some sort of politics and I never thought it would be bloody local government, but it's actually quite exciting. Okay, so I've said this in other talks and, and people who have listened to me before and, and heard me before, it's, it's, you know, it's banging the same old door really, but everything does filter down from the WEF through the United Nations into our central government and then it has a very specially built little channel or a conduit called LGNZ. So LGNZ is Local Government New Zealand and they have been put as a, as a place to feed down the UN Agenda 2030 and our 17 Sustainable Development Goals. Okay, so, so they are the direct line. And we're really calling to defund it because your rates pay for your council to belong to this club. You've got no voice in it. Now they pretend that you do have a voice in it by holding things called the Delphi Technique meetings, which are visionary meetings. Sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> and um, so these are, are, are a, a pretend consultation that they're having with you, the people of, of the area. And that's all they are. They, they are pretend, and it is in LGNZ's own language. So when they're calling for a community consultation, the deal has already been done, okay? So you're wasting your time, you're paying these people, they're wasting their time, you know. So, so to defund LGNZ is a start, that's a big start. So Brian Cadogan, who is the Mayor of Belclutha, he's just had a big article in today's paper, uh, yesterday's paper, what day is it? <laughs> 
it was yesterday. I've lost the day. It was yesterday, yeah. Okay. And him and his council, they had a nice little vote about whether they were going to stay in LGNZ or not. Well, I'm sorry, Brian, it's not your vote. It's ours, because it's our money. And if we choose to cut off the money supply, we can start making a really big difference. So ground, I will pump Groundswell. Groundswell are, are holding, they're starting off their meetings. Um, we start tomorrow in Alexandra to make the call to defund LGNZ. And then we're going to swing into... Yeah. But Groundswell has proven to everybody that your central government does not listen to you. They, they don't want to consult with you. They don't want to talk to you. They don't want to meet you. They're, they're a closed door. So, so let's go around and come through the mouse hole. So then we're going after the climate change science. Because we all know that everything that is happening now is based on this absolutely runaway global climate science. Now I'm of the age where I'm lucky enough to remember millions and millions of people dying with the huge ice age that hit us in 20, yeah, year 2000. Because I was told that when I was 15. Millions of people were going to die. Simultaneously, millions of people also died because of the runaway heat. I'm not quite sure how that worked, but I've survived and I've had a great life and it's been wonderful. <laughs> so, and then we're coming after the CEO. The structure of your council is that your CEO now has so much power that they can override, they can roll your elective representative. Now, nobody in a council who has that much power should be unelected. Okay, they, they must be elected. Somebody in council that has that much power to, to close your children out of swimming pools and libraries and to close you out of your amenities that you've paid for must be local. They must be elected. Because at the moment, these people are appointed. And, and, and they're, appointed, they're appointed from a, a many of them, not all of them. Some councils have a really good relationship with their CEO too, so let's not bag everybody. Yeah. So... Yeah, so have a really good look at your council structure because the way to rip this to pieces is to start pulling out the bits from the bottom. And at the bottom is us. A and we can do it because we're many, you know. And, and if we can get a focus, get people to focus on one thing and go for it, and because we are many, we, we will win. And then we go on to the next problem. Are you going to? Yes, yeah, so LGNZ that Jill is talking about, the full form, it's a club. Its full form is Local Government New Zealand, and it's not what it seems. It is a body to whom your council pays, your individual council will be paying tens of thousands of dollars, but overall, New Zealand ratepayers across the country pay $4 million to that council, uh, to that unelected body every year, this club. And uh, there are some councils like Timaru that have left it. Uh, September 2021, Timaru District Council left LGNZ. Today, I saw an article just before coming out here that the Manawatu Regional Council, when this year they got their bill for $45,000 to pay LGNZ, now this varies. A city like uh, Christchurch pays 120,000. Uh, Timaru paid 53 grand. So they have said, we are only going to pay two thirds of it. And why is that? If you go back and look through the Department of Internal Affairs document, LGNZ, which was supposed to be a conduit, because you know the government can't deal with 78 individual councils and unitary bodies individually, it's a spokesperson. Think uh, Dairy NZ, uh, and when you think LGNZ. Uh, 
And uh, this body last year signed off an agreement with the Crown stating that, this is before the consultation, mind you, it said that if the government, number one, it believes that three waters reform is in the best interest of the communities it rep represents. I don't uh, remember agreeing to that, but this body uh, took it upon themselves to agree to that on my behalf. And then it went on to say that if at the end of the consultation period, the government decided to mandate an all-in-legislated approach to uh, three waters, LGNZ would not object, and it would drum up support. So this is a club to whom we pay tens of thousands of dollars as ratepayers, four million collectively as a nation, that went behind our backs, the backs of the communities it was supposed to be a spokesperson for, and it was pretty much a done deal. This is the first this thing of it. And the more you look at it, LGNZ also has a magazine called Local GOVT Mag. It's online. And uh, Jill and I have come across a couple of interesting articles. One of those, uh, I remember she referred to her uh, in the talk at Dunedin called Snarlers at the Barbie, saying that uh, people are confused about uh, what your councillors do and that consultation is a legislative process that happens after a decision has been taken. So this is there in that article saying that people are, yeah. you know, you and me, we are confused. So we go to these consultations thinking they mean something, whereas actually it's just a box ticking exercise. And the article goes on to expand that uh, what actually matters is engagement before the decisions have been taken. It also goes on to say that New Zealanders still don't realize that we are no more a representative democracy. We are a participative one. And uh, nothing exemplifies it more for me than the uh, recent Auckland Council passing on the, uh, the, I don't know how many billions is it for climate change. Now Auckland, the greater Auckland area is about 1.7 million people, a third of New Zealand's population. 4,000 of them were consulted whether you want to pay a climate change levy. That's less than half a percent of Auckland's population. Of that, the vast majority, they said about 82% were 18 to 28 years old, who obviously agreed. And there you have it. So half a person spoke for the rest who were unengaged, thinking that those who they voted for, and they have, you know, it's democracy and we are listened to. We are not. We are just simply not. And that's what it's come to. Many of us, the vast majority of us are disengaged, and rightly so we would expect to be able to trust those whom we elect. But the point is, even if we elect some really good people, as Jill said, defunding the CEO, uh, you look at the CEOs of the three biggest councils in the country, Auckland, Christchurch, Wellington. Every single one of them earns, uh, unless I'm mistaken, a cool uh, 100 grand more than the Prime Minister. Uh, I believe uh, Jim Staback, Auckland Council, uh, he earns uh, 600 and $30,000. Yeah, so Jacinda Ardern earns about 430 to 470, somewhere in that range. So all these CEOs, and between these three cities, they control nearly 70% of New Zealand's population, if you look at the wider areas. And we didn't elect them. We simply didn't elect them. And somewhere, the fact that we are that trusting, that naive, perhaps to believe that our chosen representatives have our best interests in mind, is not really being lived up to. We need to engage more. We need to 
truly get vocal in our local, truly get vocal. Because without that, where we are heading to is going to be a dystopia. None of us uh, want for ourselves, our future, our kids, our grandkids. I'm a mom of a four-year-old and a seven-year-old. And I, that's probably my worst nightmare in 10 years, my daughter turning to me and saying, what were you doing in 2022? I need to be able to say I was doing something. So to honour the lady in the blue hat, she talked about humiliation, and, and I'm really big on it. Um, well, not humiliation as such, but I'm, a lot of these people set themselves up for ridicule, and I think ridicule is a wonderful thing. It works. It works well. And um, our local mayor is a very thin-skinned man, and um, one day I had a rush of blood to the head and pumped up the work printer, put out these huge posters, and at the top there was missing in bright red letters and then it had one set of testicles last seen straddling the fence over three waters if found please return to the mayor's office one done morning street <laughs> knock yourselves out <laughs> because that is the sort of thing that gets people talking you know what the hell is this about you know get people talking and, and use your humor you know use that wonderful quick sarcastic wit that some of you may have. Use your voice like the lady in the blue hat has. All of those things come together and they drive us to one destination. And that's our local council. Okay, local council is your house. Nobody else owns it. It belongs to you. And at the moment, they've locked us out. Our public servants have locked us out. And we're telling them where all the silver is and where all the treasures are, and they're robbing us blind. Okay. Part of the council is an incorporated entity, is hmm. not? And then the other part of it is the corporation. Because if you go on to the... Um... Just speak up, Nelly. Nelly? Yeah. Our council, part of it is an incorporated, listed as an incorporated entity. Mm. The other part is a company and it makes, how much did I say? 63 million. That's how much they make. Where's that bloody money going from? I'm not paying. It's not going to us. <laughs> no, that's exactly the point. And please, please repeat your question. So, so Nelly was talking about how part of the council is incorporate, incorporated and they are making millions in profits and where is that going? And some part of it is not. And at the end of the day, your question pretty much exemplifies. <laughs> Smokes and mirrors pretty much all along the way. It, it is. And I mean, why are we talking? Why are Jill and I talking about LG and Z? Because much of this money. Who knows where it is going? I sure as heck don't see it being spent on my own uh, community. Southland District Council is not building the 160-odd bridges it needs to, yet $75 million for a museum to tell our stories is important. And if I say something against us, I'm a racist. Jeepers. So what about the big white elephant that you're Nelly, that's being, that's being replicated and since you have raised this, I'll just ask Hannah. Hannah, how much time do I have? So between 
Okay. So what you are saying is being replicated across the country. Yep, not just here. So if you look at Masterton, they are talking of bulldozing some of the existing facilities, pools, part of the Anzac Memorial to build a new library. Christchurch says it needs to build a $500 million, half a billion dollar stadium. It was for 25,000 seats that now gone up to 30,000 seats. And yesterday, they said it's going to be 627 million and a bit more is going to be added. Why? For all for the purpose of uh, restoring our pride, uh, restoring Christchurch's pride as a sporting capital of New Zealand. All of this is poppycock. LGNZ, if you guys ever want to look it up, lgnz.gov.nz, it has a sister arm called LGFA, Local Government Financing Authority. <laughs> if you go and look at it, yeah. So if you go and look at LGFA, they're going to be talking about some things called as uh, ESGs, Environmental and Social Governance Factors. So what that means is, and if you do go to the LGFA website, I would encourage you to look under the Investors tab and their presentation to investors in March, three months back. So LGFA, they set it up saying that we're going to get you cheaper funding than what you get from banks. So there's foreign investors in New Zealand. Take a guess who they might be. I don't know. But uh, so those investors are being, well, being told in March that we are now funding according to environmental social governance factors. So we are going to be funding a certain promenade and a museum, stuff like this, the City Road link in Wellington and all of that. So soon your funding is only going to be things that the United Nations considers sustainable. So the, the I'm forgetting the name, was it Brundtland Report in 1970s, United Nations said golf courses are not sustainable. Coromandel, two golf courses are going for housing. Your race course here? It's going for high-density housing. That comes down right down from the United Nations Sustainable Habitat Forum, which had five key fundamentals. It said, carte blanche, across the world, we want 15,000 people per square kilometer. We want mixed-use housing, so residential, commercial, everything in one unit, right? We want uh, a mix of social classes living together. We want... Uh, forgetting the fourth one, they also uh, said to the fact that the venue, there should be no land use specialization or limited, if any. So you see Gore, Matora, there's rezoning happening. And uh, surprisingly or not, they have said, now Kiwi Build, if you're buying a one-bedroom house or apartment, studio units, they call it, the duration that you need to have uh, lived in it, owner-occupied, only needs to be one year. So... I don't know how you would call it, a one-bedroom house. You won't have a pet. You probably won't have kids. If uh, I'm living in it with my husband, the relationship is probably going to be strained. I don't have a place to work off stream. <laughs> All of that. So they are on purpose ghettoizing it, for lack of a better word. And this is across the world. This is not just here. Do you think they don't have place to expand in Vicargill? Why do they have to take the race course parking? How come suddenly the council says that uh, we, ca we don't think that just taking grazing and cutting a bit of uh, silage off it is not good enough use? So you look at that area, what is going to turn into? This is the Agenda 2030, or the Sustainable Development Goals, right at your doorstep. But what Jill and I want to say is the, the sellout happens at the local level. Local is where it is at. 
when we when we are talking about LGNZ, you're talking about if you think of a communities as a castle, LGNZ is what is is the drawbridge that's bringing globalist agendas right to your doorstep mm -hmm. and literally to your doorstep. In my case, the farm on one side of our farm, the way we work on, was converted into pines last year. L last month, that same 100% Malaysian-owned property has bought the farm on the other side to convert into pines. So those food shortages they talk of are being created as we speak. So this is what we want to do is by defunding that platform, we want our communities, our councils, to be truly local, just be responsible to us, mm. not to an unelected, amorphous body, God knows where. Yeah. So I'm gonna, I'll finish up on a final note. Um, and I have been in trouble with saying this before, but nobody can misconstrue what I'm saying, okay? Democracy is not just a system of governance, okay? It's a weapon. It is the most powerful weapon in the world, okay? If we can shape our democracy like a bullet and deliver it right between the eyes, we're making a really, really good start. And that's what we need to do, to, to pull together as a, as a community, because we love our community. I have a crazy love affair with this country that I was born in. I, I adore it. Breaks my heart to see what's happening, okay? And I've got two lovely little socialist children, but um, they'll learn. <laughs> so <clears throat> there's an old saying, you know, if, you, if you're not a socialist when you're 20, you haven't got a heart, but if you're still one when you're 40, you haven't got a brain. <laughs> They're not, they're not yet 40. So if we can shape and mould our democracy and deliver it exactly where it needs to go, we can be the best stealth weapon that has ever happened. You know, go for it. Thank you. Absolutely. Um, I think that's pretty much what I've realised. I left India 13 years ago. Where do I go now? You can run, but you can't hide. Either we face up to it or we hold our silence forever. I'd rather face up to it. Thank you. So, October 8th, anybody? Anyone in here thinking about putting their names forward? I think what those two women are doing and trying to encourage is phenomenal. So let's put our hands together again. One more time for Jill and Jaspreet. everybody I just like to say that um, what they've said is really powerful and um, I happen to be in touch with a woman who has probably the most wonderful knowledge of the local body funding um, association who actually funds our, our all of the councils in the country and um, she's about 70 84 sorry and she's got the most incredible knowledge of how we are being sold out. We basically, they, when, they, when they borrow, they borrow overseas and we are paying the debt with our, with our um, rates. So one of the ways of defunding them, another way of defunding them, is by not paying your rates. So all of you people that have been to some of those, um, the, the law, the 
common law meetings will have heard. And we're all a bit frightened. We lack courage to have the freedom to, I'm sorry, but we do lack courage. Um, even though we know the truth, most of us lack the courage. We think, well, you know, they're going to take my house off me. Um, like, like Jasper said, it's smoke and did she say that? Smoke and mirrors? Yeah. Um, and, and thank you, girls. It's great. It was great to hear you um, push for people to take part in this, this um, circus, really, and the local area is what's much, much more important. But that Claire Hadley, she has got a clause that, you know, everyone know who Claire Hadley is? Yeah, she's the CEO of the Invercargill City Council. She doesn't come from here. She's not committed to this place. She has actually got a clause, apparently, in her contract that says that she, um, you know, they basically got to pay her out. So what what we've got here, and I was good on you, Rob. That was great what you said. But what we've got here is is these people know we're on to them. But you've, even though you've got a lot of opposition at home, I have, you know, and um, you know, we've all got people at home that are hassling us and saying, why bother, everything's going back to normal. No, it's not. It's not going to go back to normal. It's just going to get worse. And, and so try and be courageous and keep the truth up there in front of you and um, look, look at what you can do for the election and how... You can be a leader. Thank you for your creativity. How to be creative, and and um, and and put up with the crap that they give us. You know, and I just want to say one other thing. You may not be aware. I wasn't aware of some of the things in Sweden, uh, Switzerland, that Rob mentioned. But Sweden is an interesting country. Does anybody know much about how the Swedish? Um, government is run. I'll just tell you five minutes. Two seconds. Two seconds. Okay, we do have another speaker. So we'll only take a sec. Anyone want to know? <laughs> okay, we'll quit. Okay, yeah. right. Thanks. Thank you. Um, okay, I will dominate if you let me. But um, <laughs> I just want to say that in Sweden, they don't get paid more than the members of parliament don't get paid, they get paid about $40,000 euros, which isn't very much. They don't get all the perks that our government get. They, we, we give perks to our government like nothing else. Over there they get one little one-room apartment. They've got to use public transport. Not that I agree with some of that. It's a bit dictatorial and sounds a wee bit like Peckham and Stackham. But I just think that we've been... Um, the people who get into Parliament, and I stood for, for the election last time, and I learned just, it's got nothing to do with how the merit you've got. It has got nothing to do with what you know. It's, um, it's, a, it's a fake system. It takes a hell of a lot to get 5%. In fact, nobody's ever got in on 5%. No, no party has ever managed to reach that 5% threshold, unless they had somebody in there. Okay? So you can't, you can't get in very easily. I wish you all the best, but it's very difficult to pull people together. We are a bit like herding cats. So, um, okay, so my job's a bit like herding cats too, especially when people hijack the mic. But um, I'm gonna, we've got other speakers coming up, sure, so I really sure. do have to um, get this show back on the road. Look at Sweden, you guys. <laughs> okay, this is always the trouble with these events because uh, here you guys are standing. We've got a short period of time. We've got a, a list of speakers and... Um, 
we don't want to be, you know, we're all about freedom of speech, but then we've got to kind of try and just time-wise keep things on track. Uh, wasn't what you were saying wasn't great, but um, the, my only thing with the Swedish model is that when you have binding referenda from that population, you have to make sure you have a well-educated, well-aware and well-awake population. Because if we started bringing in those referenda now, do you think we would win? No. So we've got to really be careful about, and if you look into that, some people even say that is part of the Marxist socialist agenda. Okay, so just a, my caution to that whole model. But anyway, our final speaker before uh, Calvin and I come back up is a man who's an entrepreneur, he's an activator of ideas, a registered teacher. He's graduated three times at the University of Otago fo focusing on visual arts, education and social research methods to build a brand with products, uh, this is what his goal is, that will inspire people to see their true identity and show them how to build a better world. Please put your hands together for Stevie Chenishov. Got okay, tell you hi. Firstly, I would like to acknowledge Rob, you've spoken really well, really well tonight um, about national government. And then Jasper Eaton Jill spoken about local government. What I want to talk to you about now is community. Because this all connects together and it comes back to you, beautiful people. Uh, I've got four over overarching headings here. Identity, logic, design and connection. I want you guys... Uh, to see, first of all, what you're doing right. Uh, and this big part of my talk is gonna come back to design thinking, something I'm really passionate about. In design thinking, the first thing you do is you identify an issue. And you guys have done well, you've delved into your research and you see problems. The second thing you do in design thinking is you look at the people who are involved. We call them stakeholders. And you guys have done an awesome job of understanding how these, this issues that you see in front of you connect to the people. And the third thing you do in design thinking is you jump right in there and you do really good research. And a massive amount of you guys have done a heap of research. But if we stop there, we get stuck. We feel discouraged, we feel disempowered, we feel like the people that have got the control of this world that we are concerned about are going to take it from us. But the fourth thing we do in design thinking is we write a brief. And I want to encourage you, if you take nothing else away from this talk tonight, to go away and write a brief. And what a brief is, is that it's a response to an issue. It's where you go, okay, I see a problem here. And I understand what the problem looks like and the people that are connected to the problem. But now I'm going to think about the opposite of the problem. And I'm going to take three sentences to a paragraph. I'm going to make some success criteria and a list most likely, and I'm going to ask myself, what is the opposite of the problem? And I'm going to ask you to believe that you can solve that problem. Because you guys are awesome. Okay, now, something that I've uh, delved into along the way is I also uh, went to university and I spent six and a half years there. And I really loved it, because one of the reasons why is because when I was 20, I had a couple of lecturers when I was doing my arts degree, who introduced me to Marxism and all these social theories. And then they said to me, read all this stuff, 
Look at all these things from a different perspective and then ask questions. Ask questions because some of this stuff is really weird, this dude told me, you know? And um, that's what we need to do. We need to ask questions. But also we need to listen to our hearts. And you guys all have a heart in this room. You need to see abundance to begin to visualize a future that is way better than the world that is coming if you don't take action. Then you need to investigate, you need to plan, you need to create it. And one, one of the things I'm going to encourage you to do is to get up every day for the next 30 years of your life and have a go. Just take a step towards creating something that you believe in and stop and reflect regularly and review the situation that you're in and say, okay, all right, what do I need to do to take another step forward? My father was a bit of a legend. He was an inventor. And he started out as a mechanic and he realized that he hates being a mechanic because when you're a mechanic, you're always fixing everyone's broken stuff and they come to you panicked. They come to you and they say, oh man, I need this straight away. Can you get it fixed by an hour ago? And it stuffs with your worldview. But then later on in life, he learned to be more of an inventor. And he took so much satisfaction that he said this to me. He said, this is how you do life, son. If you make a mistake, you first forgive yourself. You forgive anybody who's involved, and then you take the next best step. And then you take the next best step after that, because that moment is gone now. And anything you've done in the past, if you made a mistake, you've forgiven yourself already, so then you take the next best step. And if you make another mistake, you move back into making the next best step you possibly can, and then thousands of steps in a row take you in a direction. And I think that together, local, we could forget worrying about whether the government's going to solve it all. We can forget whether the local government's going to be able to solve it all. And trust me, I believe in, uh, in some of this stuff. But I want you to also come back and realize that the first most powerful thing you can do is unite together and unite with your heart. Because we carry a presence and a power with us and we need to make sure it's the right one, the power of love. I hope this isn't too intense. Anyway, at the risk of um, sounding religious, I want to quote something from Jesus. And if I say nothing else tonight, I'll share this with you. Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God will come, Jesus answered, The kingdom of God is not coming with signs observed, nor will they say, Look, here it is, or there, behold. For the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. And that is right now with you people. So be above all this. Let joy overflow you. Love. Choose to be companions with each other. Let's do community. Step forward with peace. Respond and say, here I am. Listen to your heart. Decide that you will thrive. There is enough resources. There is an actu actually an abundance. And I'll tell you right now, if you are lacking, knock on your neighbor's door. And the neighbors are the people that you're standing beside. And if they say no, then just keep knocking. Because somebody has the pieces of the puzzle. And if they believe, they'll contribute to it. All right? Take courage. Choose to have some clarity and see that we have a destiny. 
I believe every single person is on this world for a reason. And somebody asked me last week, they said, oh, when did you come up with all these big ideas that you love, Stevie? You're so, they're so beautiful. When did you invent all this stuff? And I, I responded with, I even surprised myself. I said, the things that I believe in existed before I even was born. They existed before even this universe was created. And what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to tap into a higher power here, a God of love, and let it flow through me. And so you can't question that. So just take some time. Breathe. Embrace the moment. Unleash. Unshackle yourself from the bondage. Awaken within. Be drawn to each other and to your heart. And let's rebuild. Just take a step forward and believe you can do it. We're going to need logic, but we're also going to need to have feelings. And that's something that I'm learning to deal with at the moment. To learn about how to lay aside some of my logic and actually slow down and hang enough to figure out how to go to a higher level because I understand that that's actually a part of our journey too. And some people have been saying to me lately, oh no, you won't be able to reach people, mate. They're too busy. You know why you're too busy? Because you're stuck in a broken freaking system. And this broken freaking system has tried to prove to you your entire life that you live in lack, that you have to work 50 hours a week, that you'll get this much, and then you'll be able to pay your bills, and then if you're lucky, you're going to have 60 bucks left over. Go and get a credit card, Go and get yourself a massive mortgage that's going to take 30 to 50 years to pay off and play along with the system and then you'll be allowed to contribute to society. But that's not right. We're living in a land of abundance. You're beautiful people and you're way more powerful, beautiful and significant than you think you are. I love you. And lastly, just one more thing I want to thank Hannah and Calvin tonight for um, turning this on because I've actually never had anything to do with you guys and it's a privilege to be able to, to join you on this journey. Thank you. Awesome. Is this mic going? Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, thanks, Stevie. Uh, you said all the things that I sometimes like saying and now Calvin doesn't have to blame me for being woo-woo. So that's awesome. Uh, so, yeah, let's bring Calvin back on. About <laughs> time. Come on, turn my mic up. You're always turning me down. Turn my mic up. Make it loud. Okay, let's take a stock taker where we are. They're out to kill you. <laughs> Most of you have been designated surplus to requirements and unsustainable. The human being in their eyes is unsustainable. Hence, we're talking about the uh, high-impact, high-density housing, rack, pack and stack. You free-range humans are about to become battery farm humans in a very short time. Now we laugh and joke about it, but it's actually quite serious. The whole environmental push, this clean green, let's save the planet from CO2, which actually feeds your plants, which actually helps your food chain so you don't starve and die. Again, logic is lost on those people. Common sense, logic and reason, that's actually a thing of the past. It's gone, dead. We've got to start bringing it back. And Elected officials, damn right. They need to start doing as they're damn well told. Here's the problem with um, those type of people. Political parties, you must ban them. Direct representation only, with a right of recall. So you don't have to wait for three years to get rid of the pricks. Isn't that their Iceland model? Yep, 
and they're the ones who jailed their bankers because the bankers were ripping the country off. Just like our Reserve Bank of New Zealand has nothing to do with New Zealand. Owned by the depository. Now have a look who owns the depository. You'll find Chase Manhattan and all the other banks. And who bought out the Christchurch Rebuild Company? Same people. That's why they always got the contracts. Tenders are rigged to hell. Elections are rigged to hell. The whole game is against you. We don't have the rule book. They never gave it to us. But now, with good people, they're starting to learn the rules. They realise that there's a corporate structure under an admiralty jurisdiction, nothing to do with you or me, and it's uh, steeped in titles and licences and permits, whereas that's not the natural way. Just like us and land. We have a symbiotic relationship with land. We tend to the land, land looks after us. What they did was come along and put a title between our feet and the land. So when you, when you get a mortgage, you're not mortgaging land. Land can't be mortgaged. It's only the title, and that's the thing that's traded. Now here's the problem with the economy and the debt-based monetary system. If I'm your bank and you come to me and say I want $100,000, I'll say sure. So I issue a debt credit in your account for $100,000. But at no time, at the time of that loan or at any time in the future, do I give you or create the interest. So there's an instant deficit in the economy of that amount. That happens millions of times a day. There's a systemic flaw that's built into the system to rip you off and transfer your wealth from your hands into theirs. And it's been going on for centuries. And the tax you pay, you're paying for the privilege of using their shit. You've got to go back to your local communities, like they were saying. You've got to start networking with your farmers and do proper cooperatives, not like Fonterra bullshit. They're as crooked as a dog's hind leg. They actually invested in a company to create technology to grow meat in labs. That is diametrically opposed to you farmers. They're kicking you in the guts. They're trying to take your land through SNAs, of course, significant natural areas, and Rob and Heather Mary have uh, touched on that many times, where, they, where you bear the cost of cordoning off that land, you still have to pay rates, you can't use it, it's non-productive, because it's designed to get rid of you, they want you off the land. They don't want any animals, they want you to sit at home and you'll be force fed because no one will bite the hand that feeds them. This is the shit they don't want us telling you or spreading through the country and that's why they're trying to shut us down. They're also trying to shut down the fact that the Pfizer jab is killing people and causing carnage from one end of the country to the other. World, exactly. But I'm just interested in here at the moment. They've got their battle to fight. I'll fight mine here. Because ex-military personnel, we get sent overseas to poke our nose into other people's business. We're the sharp end of a political will. That is it. And anyone who's... Because all the men now are no longer in the army. They've already lost the battle. Already, the enemy's already inside the gates. Now, if there's any cops out there with balls, it's about time you started arresting people. Because like I keep saying, Parliament is Parasite Palace. It's a crime scene. It needs to be cordoned off, records preserved and used in upcoming trials. The medical council who are going after the New Zealand doctors speaking up with science, they need to be up on trial as well. The top level of academia, and that's why I think we've got shit down here so much, is because Otago University has so much influence. And there's not very much of a degree separation. So they're all out there with the little trolls. Baker Henley, that pink-haired bitch, fucking Susie Wiles. How the hell could she get New Zealander of the year? There's people in the community we have seen that are feeding people off the streets. They do it without any fanfare. They should have New Zealander of the Year. But you don't get that. It's just like everyone, you think about every single person 
who's ever been knighted in this country. Sir this, sir that. Usually they've sold you down the river or they've done something significant to stuff you up. And we talk about Bolger, Douglas, uh, Longy, all knighted, all on the take. Muldoon as well. Two $500,000 payments for that Tasman pulp and paper mill deal. 100,000 cash from Gerald Pasquale delivered into his hands, CIA of course, to start your white elephants projects. No one wants to hear it, that the corruption is massive. Dunedin had a massive sex ring, still does. Pedophile networks galore all the way through this country. Ian Wishart, 2007, Investigate magazine. Read that article and make you sick. And that's only the tip of the iceberg. And that ties directly into the Bain murders as well. Let's burn the house down because we want to. We couldn't find the, the uh, movie. Mm. Couldn't find the movie, so let's burn the house down. Hopefully, we'll get it. Seven copies of me made ones in Australia. He's gone very quiet. Well, he's, he, he's, he, he's he, back he, now. He was back on. He was on board with the whole COVID narrative, wasn't he? Yeah. Has he changed now? Yeah. He was on board with COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, there you go. So Anyone who's got the ability, I mean, people say, go and do your own research. You don't have to. The research is done. You just got to damn well read it. Yeah. Pfizer's doc own documents condemn them. Their own latest two dumps alone should be enough to stop this in its tracks, but they keep trucking along. They don't give a crap. They are going to get you regardless. Now, there's either going to be males who stand up and say, draw the line and say, this you shall not pass, and actually start live in your roles of protectors, or you're going to cower like soy boy latte drinking bitches. No, we're not in Auckland or Wellington anymore, Calvin. We're in the deep south. <laughs> and I must admit, and I must admit down here, we've actually found a lot of real men, men who are actually standing. <laughs> Especially when they can walk around in this weather in a bloody singlet, that's a legend. <laughs> Legendary. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Are there more women involved? Just throughout the country, have seen more women come to these meetings? I'll can tell I, you can what. I take that, can I take that? Oh, answer? you can definitely take that then. Okay, so the question was are there more women involved? And I think it's pretty much yes. And I think that's a good thing, but I also think that the reason why there's more women involved is because. New Zealand has been a testing ground for a really dangerous mind control program called feminism. Yeah. What do you guys think about that? Can I, can I slag off feminism? <laughs> you're going to. All right, so it's one of the topics that you're not allowed to talk about in this day and age, especially not if you're a man, because if you're a man, like uh, Farmer, Brown, Farmer James and, um, and all the other guys learnt, they get called misogynists or you get called a bigot, or you get called a sexist. And uh, I'm here to push the women of this country to start having a public conversation about toxic femininity. Because we've been talking about toxic masculinity for the last 30 or 40 years, and it's about time we stop that conversation because we're all adult enough to know what toxic masculinity is, and the majority of men are not toxic, okay? And I would propose... Jesus, guys, you should have been clapping like hell with that. <laughs> <laughs> but 
But see, that's how quiet we've made our men. The men aren't allowed to talk. <laughs> and it's time that we start looking at toxic femininity, and I, I, I suggest we start looking at the number one toxic feminist in this country, Jacinda Ardern. Because, <laughs> well, is she female, someone down here is asking, and well, that's the question, we I We haven't suppose. got the facts and evidence, so we yeah. can't bring it to you. <laughs> Otherwise, we'd, you know, <laughs> present it. But, um, yeah, the problem is there's too many women in this country with bigger balls than the men. And we like that. We think it's great. But we also want to hand the balls back to the men and say, here you go, men. Pick them up and run with them. Um, and so part of that problem is, of course, early childhood. And I can say that because I have an early childhood background and I see the way they treat little boys. Um, you know, they were constantly telling them to be quiet and gentle hands and they can't be these outgoing, you know, energetic little boys and do boy things. Now boys have got to play with dolls and girls got to play with trucks and boys can be girls and girls can be boys and it's all confusing. And if you look at children naturally, they naturally gravitate to what their biology is. It's just a fact. There's a difference between men and women and it's time we actually celebrated that and stop pushing women... Stop pushing women to get into the boardroom as if that's the best place for them. Let's celebrate women being in the kitchen. Let's celebrate women cooking their husband's dinners. And let's celebrate women doing the cleaning and having a household and being a wife and being a mum. So, um... It's actually my kitchen. <laughs> Well, yeah, he, is a, he, he, he does love cooking, so I'm not going to fight him on that. But uh, the whole point is, is that girls have a biological clock. It's just part of life. It's how we're built. And girls are told a massive lie that if they go get educated, go to university, go get a career, and then actually finally have their you know, uh, student loan paid off, and they're finally out in the business world making money, that, oh, magically, they're going to find the man of their dreams, and they're going to be able to conceive at 39. So that's a lie. We need to flip it around. Encourage girls and women to have their families young, to take pride in being a wife, to take pride in being a mother. And then when the kids are at school, you can still go and get educated. You can still go and have a career. But women these days are not thinking logically because of this thing called feminism, because they make us feel inadequate, the fact that we aren't men. We're not, let's face it. And that's a Thank good Christ thing. Thanks for that. Yeah. Um, Otherwise okay. we'll be going sword yeah. fights. So, um, so yeah, let's just uh, let men be men and let's encourage men to step forward in this freedom movement. Um, and women have done a great, a great, great thing stepping up and, and doing what we need to do. But it is time that the men step up. And I know it's hard for men to come to things like this and be part of groups. And, you know, they're often quite independent creatures and they like to do their own thing. And when they've got the woman constantly telling them, oh, well, you, have you looked at this? Do that, do that, do that. Come to this, come to that. They get a little bit like, just shut up. Um, so, you know, I don't quite know how to bridge that gap. But the things like the men's groups, that's another thing I've said to Calvin and other men around the country. Like, let men have their men's freedoms groups. Because women like to talk, and then we start talking all over the top of each other, and we get really excited, and men are sitting there like, what? 
They like to have their beer, you know, they just say a couple of words and they all nod in agreement and, you know, they kind of get each other with because less Because we words. don't take the long road to a shortcut. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let's embrace men's groups, women's groups, and let's not think it's being sexist because the men all want to have their group and they're not bigots like the mainstream media will try and tell you. And um, together, I think, honestly, we can really change this country if we just accept who we really are. Can I speak? I'll take the pants off now. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say these, you know. Okay. Um, another thing um, we've been attacked for is apparently mis and disinformation. So um, I want to share a bit of uh, real information with you, of course, which you all know anyway. Your Pfizer jab sucks. It is killing people. There is no such thing as COVID-19. Anyone in here who even believes there is, you're stark raving lunatic. It's like a brand name, Chanel number no. five, Nike. It was just there to, as a basically a sales pitch. Easily rolls off the tongue, just like climate change. Before it used to be global warming. Shit, the science didn't back that up. We'll have to start doing the message transition. Remember, global warming slash climate change. And then they dropped the global warming. So you still have in your mind that climate change is this global warming phenomenon. That's how it all works. It's just like if I want you to believe something, I'll show you a harrowing image. Remember the pictures coming out of Wuhan, people dropping dead like flies, like this invisible plague just going down like a little smoke screen and chopping everyone like a little ninja as it's going down the road. So of course, when they showed these images, your mind cracks open thinking, cripe, what's going on? So while your mind is trying to adjust, that's when they tell you, they give you the overlay and tell you what you're looking at. And then your mind folds around it. Then it's called the layer effect after that. They just keep piling on and on and on, and a lie becomes truth by way of repetition. And like you say, like Goebbels, because you're German, um, <laughs> tell a lie big enough, everyone will believe it because they couldn't possibly conceive that someone would lie about it. Yes. And that's how stupid we have become. We haven't been taught to analyse, to have critical thought, to get information and ask yourself who benefits by me believing this bullshit. This is what we've got to ask ourselves every step of the way, who benefits? So the Pfizer jab is dangerous. It's been proven to be dangerous. Their own documents convict them. Animal trials, all the animals died. Surely you'd say, hey, <laughs> if it's killing all them, why would I want to pump it into these good people? Oh, that's right, because I want to kill them too. So yes, it worked. So let's pump it out. And I've been asking the questions. I want to see the unredacted Pfizer contract that this government signed us up to. Not hard to ask for. Just show us. And I guarantee you they've got KPIs built in because you are the hardware and the jab is going to be your software upgrade continuously. And it is smashing your immune system. So in the next three to five years, people who have been jabbed, unless we can get to them fast and try to find a way to reverse it, they're going to be dead. And if they're on the other side and they're going to say, no, that's not true, put me in your will just for five years. If you survive, I'll say, you got me but I guarantee I'll be a one wealthy man by the end of that five years. That's a problem. You see, I've got nothing against jab people who were coerced because some people have thought to themselves, how do I feed my family? How do I keep my house? That is not a choice. That's playing Russian roulette with a shotgun. That has been you being told and coerced what to do. That is dangerous. 
So they are guilty of reckless disregard for human life at the very minimum. Crimes against humanity and democide. Democide is when a government tries to kill you. Genocide is when a faction would tries to do it. Now let's look at some solutions here. Some of you farmers have got massive tracts of land. Declare your own nation state. 19-33, Monty Video Convention. Spout out a way to do that. All you need is a defined boundary. Permanent inhabitants, a rule of law and a flag. You can make your own country. You don't need these pricks. Well, I've always gone on about starving the beast. Like you say, stop paying rates. Starve the beast and kill the system. The system needs to die. That is well past its use-by date. In fact, it never really had one. It was snuck in while everyone was sleeping because we've had it for too, for, we've had it too good for too long in this country. And that's why we've got to start changing things. And that's why I said, get rid of political parties, decentralised power. You know what it's like, you all got sucked in. Let's uh, create a new regional council because your local councils aren't functioning as we thought it would and it'll be a lot cheaper. How's that working out for us? They always sell you things on safety or cheap or efficiency and they do everything but. I'm gonna do the Bob and Bill. You see, in the old borough council days, which is probably the closest to what you want, with a few tweaks to make it better, you used to be able to get a bulb at the end of your road that was out, changed within 20 minutes, guy goes down the Ministry of Works, grabs a ladder, bulb, goes and changes it, bang, done. Now, Bob will ring Bill and say, hey, we've got a light out at the end of the road, can you go change it? Well, I would, but I have to do an environmental impact report, I've got to do a traffic management report, I've got to consult with a local iwi, I've then got to uh, bring those findings to the uh, full council meeting who will then set up a subcommittee to sit there and uh, convene over what they're going to do, then they will have to put out a tender, then they'll have to um, of course find a way to take the bribe because the tenders are bullshit, it's already predetermined, it's just like a public consultation where they say we're doing this, you've been consulted and away they go. That's how it works. So by the time you're finished, about 10 years later, you have a bulb changed and about 20 million bucks. That's where your rate power's money goes. That's how it works. And the whole United Nations agenda working through your government and your local councils are for just that, to bring in exactly what the speakers have been saying. It's, you know, people say, oh, you're, you're a conspiracy theorist. No, no, it's in their own damn documents. They're telling us what they're doing. How can it be a conspiracy theory? It's a conspiracy fact. We're conspiracy factualists. There is a fact, a conspiracy against you is well and truly in play and advanced. They've got their foot on the gas and they ain't taking it off. Manufactured fuel crisis. How? The Great South Basin alone will keep us sustained for generations if they only tap it properly and then build a refinery here and do it here. Energy independence, easy. But that's not allowed. We've got to get rid of fossil fuels and instead we've got to create unsustainable green shit where these batteries will blow up. They can't do farmer's work, but don't worry because you're not going to have farms. They don't need them. A lot of this stuff is happening and it's happening now and they're not going to stop. A manufactured uh, food, food shortage. Farmers in this country, as I've said before, have been the backbone of every single recovery we've ever had. But now the agenda's ready to go and they're now going to be pushed off and they're going to get you through unworkable regulations, taking your land, and raising interest rates. 
This whole thing is going to be brought in through war, starvation, and disease, and every single one of those are at play right here, right now. They don't want us telling you these things. They don't want us sharing any knowledge. They don't want us telling you how to solve it. Now, we can look at the law forms, and we can look at common law and all that sort of stuff, and everything is an is a arrow in our satchel. But it's how we fire them. Don't try to be united and say, we must all be united. That's bullshit. Human nature proves we've never been united. We will never be united. Each one of you do in your own way the most effective thing. Gravitate towards the people who think and work like you, and then together you go on that direction. Then get the others who are good with what they're doing, and they go in that direction, and you will win. Take the scattergun approach. And you will bring them down, I guarantee it. There is so much corruption in there. If there was just one, just one fucking officer who makes one arrest. I can be pulled off the streets in Wellington when I'm covering a court case. Because you pissed them off actually the day before. <laughs> so they come out. I was me. just asking Jacinda how many people had died from the jab. They didn't like that, of course. And, and then of course she has an argument with this elderly gentleman who's masked up double jab because we checked and um, he tried to grab a phone off then of course Mr. Hero, I'm a bloke, I've got to protect the female goes in office to shove his camera up his ass <laughs> then a cop comes over, a young cop he was actually good, he was trying to settle his situation wasn't trying to be a big man, he's the sort of cop you need, then the pig eyes old senior sergeant comes over and he was like I'm the man so I said, you think you're a legend in your own lunchbox, don't you piss off back over there, I didn't invite you to this conversation. He's the one who led the arrest the next morning. <laughs> so um, They had a paddy wagon waiting with like half a dozen officers, it was clearly politically motivated, so he was released without charge and now... I told him, I told him, I said, you're going to have to release me without charge. He goes, you reckon? I said, I'm telling you, you're going to get a phone call saying, drop that one fast. Well, they did, and he come to the cell door, and he goes, and I said... I told you, I tried to give you a face even way out, you muppet, and I baited him. <laughs> because he put me on the side of the road and made me, you know, just tried to, they held me there for about, what, half an hour or something, just so people could see. Can you imagine four or five cops, or six cops, arresting you, all they've got is little face nappies on. And then the van pulls up with two fully hazmat suit people with goggles and everything. <laughs> They were playing this for everything it was worth. So they put me in the dog kennel. That's that little thing in the back. We call it dog kennel. And they took me not to Wellington Police Station, but to Upper Hutt to get me out of the area into a training facility. So, of course, they give me a choice of cells. And I said, I'll take cell number eight. There was no one else there. It was just me. But, of course, there's blood on the wall. And I said, what the hell is this? You're trying to give me COVID or something? And they said, oh, that's not blood. You know, we do training in here. I said, I'm telling you, that's coagulated, mate. That's, that's blood. He goes, all right, then. So you better test that and I want to see the results. But anyway, they put me in cell number seven after that, double mattress, very good. So I asked for toilet paper because I was going to do my version of I was here. <laughs> and I wanted a drink. And I wanted a drink. I said, I don't want a plastic one because it's too easy to inject. So that's why, and I want to be able to open it myself. So I, I said, but I suspect I won't be here long enough for that. And I wasn't. So that was good. So they had to drop me back off. So they dropped me back off at the court. So imagine the same van pulls up, two hazmat suit guys walk around, come and get me out the side because I refused to go in the back. I said, hey, taxi, Uber, or, um, or some, some other way, but I'm not getting back in the kennel because even under your own system, I'm free. And they said, well, that's true. 
So they dropped me off and they opened the door either side of me and I stood there and I waited till all eyes of the public were on me. Then I flicked my jacket and said, you're dismissed. <laughs> and I cruised. And I cruised. I'm no stranger to them, of course. They've been after me for 22 years. 22 years they've been trying it on and 22 years they've been failing because I know the playbook. I've been all over the world doing shit. I know what these guys are up to. This is why they're trying to shut us down and shut us down hard. And I've got some secrets for you, I tell you now. I can talk about my time in the Solomon Islands and the intelligence apparatus there where Australian New Zealand dignitaries taken in suitcases, this is all taped, so it's going out live, I don't care. Taken into the Honiara Hotel, $5 million cash to pay politicians to put in a vote of no confidence to bring the government down while they go to rape that country's resources and mess with its people. This happens everywhere. We sting them, we get them, and what happens? Shoved under the carpet, diplomatic flurry behind the scenes, checkbook diplomacy, boom, all gone away like it never existed. This is what we're dealing with in this country as well. These people are so crooked, they can't lie straight in bed. And I guarantee you, these people have profited off everything that's been ripped off you. And that's what we've been trying to tell people. And this is why the trolls are coming after us and they are not going to stop. They'll try to sabotage our vehicles. They used to send me after people like me. So I know what these cretins are like. And they're not cool. But sometimes you just got to say, wait a minute. None of this makes sense. The fight's actually here at home, not on some foreign shore. Our people of the wars gave their lives defending from the front door what these pricks are letting in the back. And our army, the higher echelon of the army, they're woke pricks. They're, they might as well be feminists. But there are some good military in there, but they're not the highest ranks to be able to make an effect, just like the cops. There's some good cops out there. But scum rises to the top, and that's what you've got. You've got a woke prick at the top who lacks the balls to actually do what he's in there to do, which is to be a peacekeeper and to keep you safe from the very thing that's destroying you and your country. Apparently he's Jacinda's cousin. I personally don't have that evidence, so I can't actually state that. Because that's all we do here, is we only deal in facts and evidence. I won't deal in anything else. There's a lot of things I would like to say. Some people say, why don't you speak about the reptilians? And I said, you find me a damn reptilian, I'll make him the co-host, I'll even bump her for the night. <laughs> we'll have a discussion about, I don't know, antennas and shit. And then at the end, I'll rip his face off and you can see the scales. Then I'll say, boom, there it is. But I haven't found one yet. But so that, we, that episode's going to be delayed. What we do know as a fact, though, is that Christopher Luxon recently admitted to being a feminist. Like, did you guys hear about that? Like, what country we're living in when the National Party, the male leader of the National Party, is admitting he's a feminist? He's a bitch, too. So, anyway, just thought I'd point that out while we're at it. Yeah. So these are the things we're just trying to bring to you, and this is what they're worried about, because this isn't just our voice. This is your platform. This is for the people, by the people. We're giving you your voice so your local communities can reconnect to see who you are, who's who in the zoo in this area. Um, you'll be surprised some of the uh, meetings we've had. You've had two people sitting beside each other. They live just around the road from each other, did not even know they had the same mindset and thought the same thing. They thought they were alone. So we're just reconnecting everyone again. We're not here to tell you what you don't already know. We're just here to help you remember who you are and what you forgot. That's it. 
just to open it back up. Because while she's telling you not to talk to your neighbor, we're saying, hey, go and party with them. You know, we're the one source of truth. No, you're not. But you are. Because your truth, you live. Their truth, they propagate. Can I, can I just say one more thing that I've do. seen in the news lately? Um, did anybody see that they are trying to fast track 200,000 visas? And they've actually signed off already on 50,000. How does that make sense when we've got 23,000 people on a wait list for state housing and the, the wait time is one year? How does that work when our medical system's already run down, we've got low teachers, we're, we're short on nurses, and we're going to let in 50,000 50, more people? Now, I'm not anti-immigration, obviously, because, you know, my parents are immigrants, but can we not just slow it down for a minute yeah, wait, wait for us to, to recover from this whole COVID casualty because our economy's been destroyed and our people have been destroyed. So instead of letting people in from over on foreign shores, why can't we just, if we really want to help, send them a little bit of money? That's it. Why do we have to let them all in when our people are struggling and suffering? The amount of people that are living in motels and hotels right now yeah, that we're paying for is just phenomenal. Go. Because they want the votes. That's exactly yeah. what it is. Well, they want the votes and they want to destroy our communities and they actually, well, you know, your CEO, who's, was she a foreigner? Is she, is she, is that what you said? Outside. Uh, outside of this area. So that's another tactic that they use. They're constantly bringing people from outside the, you know, even New Zealand or other places of the community. So like, they don't care about your local community and that's what this whole topic's been about. But anyway, I yeah. think you'll get the point on that one. And the Ukraine's bullshit too. All the stand with Ukraine crap, it's rubbish. That place needs to be bombed the shit out of. The people are good, like people at Donbass, they never wanted to be part of the Ukraine, they wanted to be part of Russia. They even voted for it. But they got overridden with bombs and getting killed in the street by these um, real Nazis. You're missing disinformation networks like Stuffed. And uh, who's that other ago? Targo Daily Times. That thing should be wiped off the map. Metaphorically speaking, because I'll probably say I'm advocating blowing the pricks up. <laughs> That's how it works. I say something and they'll always misconstrued it. They don't come to me and say, what do you mean by it? Because I give them an earful. So I've, um, I've invited them to say, well, why don't you come and talk to us? I'll just ask you a few questions, put everything in writing, and we'll, we'll put it out. That's why most of the time we'll tape them. So when David Fisher, from the, that so-called veteran reporter from the Herald, I always make him look like a dick too, because he is. You can carry on. Oh, I had one more thought. There's one more thing I was going to say. Get, sorry, you have to excuse us. We've literally been on the go since the 23rd of April. Uh, I think by the end of this tour, we'll have done 28 events like this, plus little ones during the day. And uh, yeah, it's been a massive, massive, epic tour. We really should take the time to thank our team again. Yeah. Um, they are just doing such a phenomenal job. Uh, and I haven't even mentioned, which I always forget, but please, 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 on your way out, if you haven't already, consider making a donation because this is all run on donations. We don't have a big uh, Steve Bannon funder or Alex so Jones. I'll tell you we have. Yeah. 
Um, so please do that. Or, or you know, there's T-shirts there. There's uh, I think we've run out of hoodies, but um, yeah. And please check out the website counterspinmedia.com. Please sign up to the newsletter that we'll be starting soon. If you've got an extra account, uh, they have now started blocking that. So not only do they censor us through Facebook, Instagram, all of the main big tech, but they're now starting to stop certain email accounts. So get a Proton Mail. Um, what else? Oh yeah, we've been filming um, interviews from you know with vaccine injured people. Uh, just in lost. It's not yes, a vaccine. Well, and we should actually ask: How many of you here know somebody who has been injured by the Pfizer or you know one of these so-called? Keep vaccines? your hands up because yeah. every time we do this, we get the cameras to look because like like we say, this is a real poll. This is real poll from real people. This right, ain't Colmar hands, Brunton. There's two hands yeah. out the back right there. there. There's, yeah. This, this is not Colmar than, Brunton. If you know more than one, put two hands up, definitely. Yeah, so a few more hands going up. Wow. Up goes the legs next to everyone on our backs. <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, the next question is how many of you know somebody who has actually lost their life in a short space of time after having this bioweapon? I'm going to call it a bioweapon. Yeah, see, that's a lot. And how many of you know somebody who has lost their life due to this thing that they are calling COVID-19? None. Yeah, okay. Exactly. How many of you have lost a job or an education spot due to a mandate? Yeah, it's, it's very, very upsetting. And how many of you have had a fallout with family or friends along the way and you're feeling isolated? That's everyone. <laughs> <coughs> <coughs> All right. Well, you've obviously got a whole room full of family. And how many belong to the river of filth? Yay! <laughs> There's one more question actually I want to put to you because this is a serious one and it happens all the time and they're calling them accidental deaths. How many people mm. that you know because they're, whether the farm's been eviscerated by unworkable regulations or they've been mandated or government bullshit has created a suicide directly from or people you know suicide or attempted suicides well. from people you know. Yeah, yeah there, there is there, a eh? fair few hands in the back there. Yeah, and, and, the, and this is becoming all too prevalent. Yeah, they're, they're, they're hiding that. They're definitely fudging the statistics around that. So uh, also, if you're on your way out and you want to write your story of how you got mandated out or you lost a loved one or vaccine injury, then um, please go and see the girls out the front because we're trying to collect uh, the stories to just have a real visual aid of um, the carnage that's out there. But you are the best evidence because you, as you saw when all the hands went up, that's a real poll. This is happening every single place we've gone. We've seen thousands and thousands of people, they're all doing that. So that's, mainstream media can't hide that. They cannot suppress that. Not and for much certainly, longer. And we certainly can't fake that because it's you. Okay, so what's the time now? It's getting quite late, I think. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So there's food that's about to be brought out to the bar. So please stay and have a drink. Please stay and have some food. Uh, Calvin, have I missed anything? No. Okay, you say, you, you go, wrap it up. Do I get the last word? Yeah, you go. Word. Thanks for coming. And uh, we look forward to seeing you in person. Yes. You can find Counterspin, New Zealand's media revolution, at counterspinmedia.com. And now, on the InfoWars Network.
at ban.video.